podcast. My name is Christian Myers, and I'm your host for today, joined by my co-host, David Reed, and our guest today, Haley Adams. Hello. Welcome. Hey, thanks for coming in today. Thanks yeah. for coming in today. Trauma yeah. therapist, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. a lot of background in the military. Mm-hmm. So tell us how you got started. So I joined at 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started off, I joined the Air Force, uh, active duty. What, what made you want to join first and foremost? Oh, man. If I was like being completely honest with myself, I was running with something like from somebody, from something like in my past. But honestly, like I say like the, you know, the initial answer of like education and I want to travel and, <laughs> yeah. you know. Well, freedom, <laughs> America, yeah. like yeah. selfless yeah. service, yeah, right? <laughs> than myself. Um, yeah. So that's how it started. I was running from something. But um, actually, it, it, it was the best thing that has mm. ever happened to me, honestly. Um, so I, I joined Open General. I do not... Um, Ooh, took a chance. Yeah, I do not uh, you were just like, recommend that to people. Fuck it, we're going in. Yeah, fuck it, we're going <laughs> in. Like, we're, like, and my recruiter was like, yeah, like you want a medical job, just put all medical jobs on there. I'm like, cool. And then so I get services. Uh, food fitness lodging and (laughs) mortuary affairs and protocol yeah like a plethora of things um so i started off in in food um went out to missile field for a while that was fun where is it where did you go malmstrom montana okay yeah for five years yeah did you run out of things to do bro Brought, yeah, like <laughs> the one. only thing was to like day have one. I've seen everything. <laughs> I've done everything. <laughs> Go to the one Walmart that was there. Uh. Um, yeah, so uh, I was there for five years. I deployed during that time to Iraq. Um, I went to Balad, and that was fun. But I was augmented as force protection, so it was like a glorified babysitter cop. Uh, what year was that? That was in two thousand ten. Yeah. 2010. Good year for me. That's where I was blown up <laughs> to get deep. <laughs> Just sticking with the morbid trend here. Yeah. Get deep. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, you deployed. How was that experience for you? I mean, was it eye-opening? Damn. Yeah. So I was like a sheltered kid. Um, I grew up, I'm from California, but I grew up in Utah. And if everybody like knows about Salt Lake City, Utah, it's like Mormonville. Yeah. Um, and so I was 20 and I spent my 21st birthday in the desert. Sucks. Um, oh, man. <laughs> and they didn't even have any alcohol no, there. No, no, I didn't beer. get to celebrate it's it It's because you were in a high enough rank yet. Let's be honest. I was, yeah, I was an E4. <laughs> if you're um, an E6 and above, you're bringing that bottle with you. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody I got cares. I got my <laughs> army friends to, to bring in like Girl Scout cookies and milk from Kuwait. So that was good. But I Sounds had, like an epic 21st birthday. <laughs> Girl Scout cookies. 17-hour shift, yes. In oh. <laughs> 140-degree like weather or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I worked on the shitter truck, too, so that was fun. The shitter truck? Yeah. I want to have all the details oh, for the shitter truck. Black water, yeah. No, no, no. Were you sitting here. there, like, mixing the bucket, like, in the movies or what? Uh, no, I just got to watch and, the people do it. Uh, but I got to sit in the nasty truck, and it was just, ugh. God, Who'd you bad. piss off for that post? <laughs> <laughs> they they found out it was my birthday. Oh, that's what it yeah. was. Oh, of course. Yeah. And we just talked about this the other day. Is uh-huh. like if it's your birthday in the military, do not tell anyone. <laughs> Good way to get yeah. yourself messed beat. up. Yeah. Bad mistake. Beat. Bad mistake. Well, we were in the Air Force where they didn't really beat us in the Air Force. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. the Army's a little bit different. I feel like man. we had wall to wall counseling. Man, I joined mm-hmm. in two thousand six. That was a thing. Ooh. Yeah. 
lot of wall counseling. A lot of wall counseling. Uh, Beat me out back. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna counsel you real quick. Uh, <laughs> beat your face. <laughs> yeah, but out in the field, like we were out and like with cops and stuff, like out at Malmstrom. So like everything was like a game. Like oh, yeah. they'd like kidnap you in the middle of the night and like put on like <laughs> night vision goggles and then like strap you to the pole and like, oh, you're shit. like the hostage <laughs> prisoner. So hazing's fun. a real thing. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. It's just a seer refresher is all it is. <laughs> <laughs> Did they make you shave your head? <laughs> no, thank God. Remember how thank to God. evade? <laughs> Man, but that was... That was so you went through stuff. a couple of crappy assignments mm-hmm. and, and was that the entire deployment or... No, so like... Um, at, as force protection, I worked at the pad too. So um, I was taking off like the the injured from the birds and bringing them into the ER. Helicopter and, landing pad. Yeah, helicopter landing pads, the helos. Um, and then I, I was looking after like some of the children in the hospital as mm. well uh, that were there. So it was it was uh, local national children. Local national yeah. children. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that a lot was of people don't realize that. A lot of kids end up on the military hospitals as well. And they're like, why are children in a war zone? Like, well, right. they live there. I mean, they, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you have to prioritize them just like everybody else. Absolutely, yeah. And I thought like the the, the biggest thing too that I that I found interesting is that the, the children would be like burned by the parents so they can like come in and like receive free healthcare. Yeah. Yeah, so that was, that was interesting. It might be an easier way to get into the hospital, you know? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello, I would yeah. like some medical aid, please. Burn yeah. their children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Burn their children in scolding like hot water. Pretty fucking horrific. It uh, is. It yeah. is. Um, but there was this like little boy. He was five years old. And he was, um, he was playing in a garage where his parents were building a bomb. And uh, he, he is a W amputee, um, legs down. And he was in the hospital for about six months. But he, we would like ride him around in like a, a wagon, like one of those uh, red... What are they called? Like, like flyer. radio flyers? Red wagons? The radio, the radio flyers? flyers? Radio flyers. What is it, Dave? Yeah. Radio, radio flyers. flyers. Jamie, yeah. can you pull that up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like the sweetest boy ever. And he just, he loved that red wagon. And so, right. yeah. So I have really good stories um, to like really happy memories from there too. But I have really bad memories. And I think that's what led to PTSD um, mm. from there. And plus I was at Mortaritaville. So any place, you know, called Mortaritaville, you'd, Margaritaville. Yeah, it's a fun That's place for, to be. Yeah. <laughs> so Some we, good be, humor. Before we get into to a little bit of these stories, like when did the war become real for you? Like when were you just like, this is not games anymore. It's not, you know, hazing in the military or joking around. When did you were like, this is the moment where I'm like, oh shit, I'm here. That was probably about a weekend. Mm-hmm. And well, <sighs> Honestly, it became real for me like when we had our tactical landing into Iraq. And it, it was like my first experience and we were on a C-130 and all of a sudden like the red lights come on and they're like, you know, like strap up. And I'm like, oh, Prepare oh for fuck. Landing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. hardly a landing. It's burning it in. Yeah. <laughs> and then the G-forces like were, were like tossing me around. I'm like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? And then this guy like next to me pukes in his helmet. And oh, then, no. like, they're like, when. <laughs> That's me in the corner, just like Jesse Ventura. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> That's a crazy guy right there. Right. That's Rangers for you, by the way. Right, right. So he pukes in his helmet, and then they we land, and they're like, okay, everybody, get the fuck off the plane, blah, blah, blah. And he's got, he's got his helmet, and he's like, what do I do? What do I do? Put it and on. he's like, put it on, ah, yes. put it on. And he's just like, ah! and oh, just no. like it's everywhere. Oh, man. Oh, man. The classic is, 
just open your shirt up and go right into it. <laughs> Straight into it. <laughs> uh, man. But even then, like, it felt like a roller coaster ride. So I was like, whoa, like, this is crazy. But I think it was like a weekend when um, we had a mortar land, like, right next to us. Mm, and it was yeah. like, like, the klaxon went off. And I was like, what is that? You know, like, and, and we'd been like, mortars before. <laughs> but like, you can always tell the new. The new recruits who they they come in first and they drop to the ground as soon as a rocket attack goes off. But the, I did. The salty guys are sitting there like, mm, <laughs> this will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to continue my chow. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, That's exactly how mouth. it was too. Like I was, yeah. in, I was in my dorm room. Well, it was like a trailer, uh, so I was in my uh, chew and like. I was just sitting Bless there. You. And yeah, <laughs> container housing I was just unit. Sitting there, and then the klaxon goes off, and he's like, boom, and I'm like. Holy fuck. Like, Shit. what was that? So, like, I dropped down to the ground and I'm like, did anybody else feel that? <laughs> <laughs> did you guys hear I was that? Like, was, was that real? Like, what, 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 what? And then they're like, oh, it's okay. Like, we, we do that, like, all the time. And I'm like, oh, great. This, this next is six occurrence? months is going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, I think that's, like, when it, like, started to really hit me that I was, like, actually in a deployed area that, like, mm-hmm. I could be... Um, potentially killed yeah yeah yeah, like my life was on the line so and then from then on like i really took it seriously Mm. um and i think like after my deployment like that's when it became like really 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 when you came home yeah like when i was like because it being out there like you don't have time to decompress anything like and to work through trauma so it's like it's like response after response after response after response and like being FP, working 17-hour shifts, like you're always like in the go, 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 go. Yeah. And you're, you have that heightened response. And it's essentially how they refer to as a light switch, which I'm sure you could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard to turn off when you come home because you're used to going through all of those experiences and go, go, go all the time. So you get home and it's tough. Yeah. And I came back home to nothing. Like my, my son was six months old when I deployed mm-hmm. and um, he was a year old and I had missed so much. But my husband, my ex-husband at the time, um, like we were going through some shit because anybody who's been deployed, it's like really tough to maintain relationships out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so I came home to like nothing. So it was like two weeks of R&R and I was just like sitting in my empty house like, oh, just by cool. Yourself. Like chilling. <laughs> just yeah, in your own head. In my own head. Not a good way to, to unpack no, things. No, and that's how I developed PTSD, I think, is because I didn't really reach out to anybody and it was just like back to work after that. Yep. Um, and what so, were your initial feelings? Like, how did you know that you were experiencing PTS? I didn't realize it until 2011. I was an instructor over at Fort Lee and I was um, doing the services portion, the readiness portion. We were out in the field building these tents and <laughs> fucking EOD. EOD, <laughs> EOD um, just had a, a controlled debt, but didn't tell anybody on mm. the base. And so all of a sudden, like I was out there with tents, like out in a deployed, like realistic environment with like Kevlar shit and everything else. And Similar it's like, setting. boom. And I'm like, fuck. And I like, I just like, I don't remember what happened, but the instructors that were with me, like were like, yeah, you were like yelling and screaming. And like, oh. like I guess I yelled out somebody's name. You just turned red and blacked out a little bit? Yeah, blacked out. And oh. then, like, next thing I know, I was at mental health. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> like, being intake. So, I was like, oh, fuck. Um, and that's never good, because the military, in my opinion, does not treat that well. You know, they mm-hmm. don't treat PTS well. They, they're they like, okay, you're out. Yeah. And they, that's it. it. They don't attribute it or treat it like 
physical wounds. Uh, I don't think they treat it the same at all. They put mm-hmm. a lot of negative, I don't know, negative aspect on, on mental health issues yeah. instead of trying to work on them. And I, I think they're doing a much better job. And I'm mm-hmm. sure you can attest to that now, like as a trauma therapist, but mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll get into that a bit. <laughs> so at the time, you had no support, essentially. No. No, because in 2006, probably to about like 2011, it was such like a stigma to go to mental health. Like if you were seen at the mental health clinic, like your commander would like open up your records and look for shit and then like try and, um, you know, force you out. And so it was like a huge stigma and they weren't getting people out for PTSD. They were getting people out for adjustment disorders. Really? Let me ask... So no benefits with Let me ask you this is like... What was it like being a woman in the military and dealing with that situation too? Is did you did you get? I mean, you you had to have a lot of flack from that. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Like my entire career, I was um, in a man's world, yeah. and so like even out in the field, I'd be like the only female around these males, um, and like the leadership that I had, and it was such like it's such an interesting like dynamic because I really get along with males. Mm-hmm. Um, Naturally, and, you're forced to. Yeah, <laughs> and, in those environments. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think the, the onesies and twosies like really just made it super difficult. Yeah. Um, the majority of, of the people that I've worked with are family. Like I still talk to them to this day, but I think Good. that the ones or twosies leaders that like just really don't. Um, Now's your time to fucking blast them. Go. <laughs> oh God, don't do it. Colonel. Dave, be this ready to bleep it. Colonel. Get the bleeps ready. Oh Get my the bleeps God. ready. Yeah, this fucking colonel. Um, Tell us. I ended up puking on him. Actually. You don't have to say names, but what did he do? Um, okay, so this was uh, before my deployment, actually. Um, like, So I was out, going out to the field and um, I was pregnant at the time. And for some odd reason, like my, my son loved to sit on a nerve, like to make me pass out. And so like I was sitting there and I was in a pre, pre-D, a, pre, a pre-deployment briefing um, that, we, that we had every time we went out to the field and I was just sitting there and I pass out and I wake up and I end up puking on him. And that was like the best memory I have because he was such a fucking dick. Uh, <laughs> Like he just Payback's my a life bitch. Hell. My life hell. Um, so like they don't like pregnant females in the military. And I had a lot of flack about that, not just being a female in the military, you know, but a pregnant female. it is your female. fault for being pregnant. Yeah. So, how dare you, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, and so like I actually got a low rating on my EPR, my performance report um, mm. for that, for, for being pregnant in the military. They said, they said specifically, this colonel said, you can't do your job like the males do. No and shit. I'm, I'm like, another person. And what do you mean? First of all, what year is this? This is, oh God, this was 2008, 2009. Uh, yeah, so we've early on. We've made a little bit of progress. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I've seen such change. Um, I was, you know, in how for comfy was years. the pregnant uniform, though? Let's be honest. I always see that. And I'm like, new balances. He's got new balances on. <laughs> like, what do I have to do to get a waiver for this? <laughs> They're like jammies. Yeah. It was so nice. I did not want to take them off. I did not. I did not want to go back to the fire retardant uniform. jammies. Yeah. <laughs> Fr pajamas. Uh, it's an idea for Terra so Arma. Oh yeah, noted. <laughs> yeah, the blues sucked, but the the what was it? Uh, what do you call them? The BDUs. Oh yeah. Back then. Yeah. 
Back in the day. Yeah, back in the day, day. <laughs> that was like two uniforms ago. Yeah, now we've got the camis. So. Yeah, yeah. So, that, so being a woman, so the colonel, he gives you this report. Mm. Enlisted performance. Enlisted performance report. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And your response to that, did you confront him about it? I mean... Did you puke on him again? Did you puke on him? <laughs> no, I wasn't allowed to. Like, I wasn't allowed to... Um, like the first sergeant that I had, like was not supportive at all. I think the supervisor that I had really tried. And I think that he was probably the most awesome. Um, it was the officers that, mm. that I worked with um, were, that were actually like super supportive. And um, some of them I still talk to to this day. They're, they're family. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think to like, despite all that, like I think overall I had a good military career, mm-hmm. like being a female. And I think it did get better after that. Um, but there had been like, ugh, some shit bags. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. And you'll find even, even today, you guys are still, I mean, well, you paved the way for a lot of advancement in the last 10 years. I mean, there's been plenty of, plenty of changes that have been made that are really appropriate, I think, for the military as far as like, equality goes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, Let's take it back to Balad for a minute. Mm-hmm. So you worked on the helicopter landing pad. Mm-hmm. So you were intake for the transloading from medevacs into the hospital. Yes. So is that what you spend a primary bulk of your time doing out there? Um, so I spent 96 hours at the Balad hospital. Um, and so that was like a lot of time to just see some of these cases come in. Mm-hmm. And I think a couple of them like really stand out to me. Um, one of them in particular was an Afghani soldier mm-hmm. and he, um, or not Afghani soldier, gosh, Iraqi soldier. And, um, he came in on the bird and we took him through what's called Freedom Highway at Balad. It's like this, uh, this canopy where you have this like American flag. It's so beautiful. Mm. Um, we took him through, uh, Freedom Highway and I, I look down at him and he's like looking at me like I'm some sort of like angel, like mm. coming to save him. And you know, I had blonde hair, you know. Um, <laughs> the blonde hair, yeah. And the halo. Yeah, was- <laughs> it's the military the halo, the, the helmet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the halo pad light right behind me, like yeah. shining. And the, and the doves flying and stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, the huge vest on and everything. <laughs> right, right. Um, so I'm, I pulled him off and he looks at me and like we have this like moment where he just looks at me and like, I can just read his soul. Mm. And it's like this such, this such beautiful moment, like right before he like dies. And um, I think that like, I had dreams for years about that. And I'm like, man, like what should I have done like better? Or what could I have done? Could I have taken him off sooner? And like, I had no control. Yeah. And that's, that's everyone's thought, right? What can I have Mm -hmm. done different? Yeah, that that processing is is pretty important. I think I had somebody reach out to me just this morning. He's a paramedic, and he was asking for advice. He's a new paramedic, asking for advice on how to prepare yourself for continued fatalities. Mm-hmm. I responded to three fatalities the other day, and I performed well, but it's bothering me, and I don't know if I'm prepared to do it again. Preparing yourself by doing it is really the only way. You don't know how you're going to react until it happens. Right. And that's why I became a trauma therapist is to figure out like why our bodies do what they do in in these um, scenarios. But I think the biggest thing through my own processing and my own therapy 
um, was figuring out that this guy was fighting in his own country mm. for us. Yeah. And I, I didn't like remember this, but probably like a couple weeks prior to that, there was an American soldier, same wounds, three bullet holes to the chest, survived. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I associated that with, you know, that scenario. The, the triage of the patient, the difference. Mm-hmm. Did you think that one was preferred over the other and that's what led to that? What do you mean? I mean, see, like we have to triage every personnel that comes in, mm-hmm. right? So some people have a tendency to prioritize the Americans over others mm-hmm. and don't give the same treatment to these commandos or these Iraqis or Afghanis that are overseas. Do you think that was the case at all? Not that I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we all did a really good job in like taking him off the bird into the ER. Um, he died before he got in. Oh, so that should so, answer your question that you yeah. couldn't have done it any better. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I'm trying to be the therapist here to you. She's like, you're preaching to the fucking choir. <laughs> trying to therapize yeah. a therapist. Therapize. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I realized through those two scenarios that were so similar that like we had an American live and an Iraqi die. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like the biggest thing that got me subconsciously was because like this guy died fighting his own country yeah. for us. Like, mm-hmm. wow. Like, wow, wow, wow. That, that's so meaningful, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, so the soldier, are you still in contact with the American that you helped? Mm-mm. No? No, I really wish, like, I, hit me up. DM me. Like, I really wish, like, if I pulled you up. <laughs> I think that's low, our like, job oh, here at the Medevac yeah. podcast is to reconnect. So yeah. where are you at? Yeah, where are you at? I want to talk to you. Do you have a name? <laughs> Tell it to me later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do that off air. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, we had, like, the, 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 um, the intakes that were just like, you know, broken, sprained ankle, you know, oh, yeah. just like walking off. Like we routinely the ambulator, did, the, yeah, yeah, the, the round robin pickups. Mm-hmm. Like if, if there was no big missions going on in the evenings, we would routinely fly to fob to fob, just picking up small, minor injuries. It was, you know, routinely hurt myself working out or the occasional <laughs> guy who decides to, you know, use CLP as lubricant. <laughs> Happened more than once. I picked up more than one Marine who was like... That sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah. Yeah. It has lubricant. But you got to try it once. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Did that more than once. But it was just people making stupid decisions. Uh, Routinely pick all those guys up. Like, Thanks for wasting our time. It's like the gorilla glue in the hair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wise decisions. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you did a brunt of your, your work on the, on the helipad there. Mm-hmm. What else... Uh, what else stood out to you when you were doing your work there? Um, honestly, like I got to work with a bunch of people from around the world and I really, really liked that. Um, at the pad, like the Navy guys would show up, like the Australians would show up and like the British soldiers would show yeah. up and they're cool yeah. and like just talking with them and got to see like the, the Army M4s because I only had an M16 and an <laughs> M9. And oh. I was just like looking at their stuff. you with the good gear, yeah. huh? Yeah. <laughs> Here, this is from Vietnam. Enjoy this. <laughs> oh my God. The K-pop. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you got the LCE, no, no vest at all. <laughs> I know, but that was my weapon. Like those two were my weapons. And I think I, I fell in love with the Beretta um, because of that. It's because like that was like my thing. That was my, 
That was my whoopee. You, you feel like a, a boss hog running around or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Carrying a 44 Magnum overseas. Yes. Dirty Harry. No, I did not. <laughs> no, Desert yeah. Eagle. Prefer. Yeah. And I think like outside of the pad too, like I think working with the, the Turkish mm. and the Iraqis and the um, Nepalese and the Indians. You guys um, had a, like a whole multinational spectrum there. Absolutely. That's pretty cool. And their food is a Amazing. Yes. Like the Turkish like soup that they do and then like the Indian tea. Mm. Oh man. Like chai tea's hard. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, it's full of sugar. <laughs> 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 Have you ever had Colombian coffee? Yes. It's yeah. like <laughs> it's got like 18 teaspoons of coffee or uh, sugar in it. Thanks. But it tastes so good in one espresso shot. <laughs> so mm-hmm. tasty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you mm. also did mortuary affairs too, right? Yeah. So um after my deployment, I got uh, tagged to go on a month-long deployment to Korea, which was so fun. Mm. Um, so fun. I have so many stories. Were Korea. you at Busan or? I was at Osan. Um, so I was up at the uh, headquarters over there and we did like sleeping in tents and, and stuff. So that was like cool. Um, but we did the the mortuary uh, mission and that was that was just insane. So, yeah, walk us through that. Like, first of all, how did you get that duty assignment? Just randomly assigned. They're like, like, (laughs) Haley was on ship patrol three years ago. (laughs) We're going to put her in the mortuary now. Upgrading. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I just got an email. It's like, you're going. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So what's what's a mortuary affairs personnel do? I mean, what's your primary purpose? I worked in the vault. Um, And so it it was a secret vault. Um, and so we were, we're doing, you know, planning stuff there and, and whatnot. And I think like the biggest thing that stood out to me is like, holy fuck, if something were to actually happen, like we're screwed. In what aspect? Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. Um, like just the, the mission. Um, it was, I don't know how much I can talk about it. Oh, I mean, we don't have to get into any OPSEC. We don't have to get into OPSEC at all. Um, If it's, if it's secret, yeah, let's, yeah, we'll but, bypass that. Yeah, um, but it was cool to work with Koreans, and yeah. I tried a pig intestines for the first time. That was cool. In Korea, oh. <laughs> he's like, I was like, oh, what are you eating? And he's like, here, try it. I'm like, what is it? He's like, don't ask. Gotta try it once. <laughs> Gotta try it once. Gotta ask. I'm like, yeah. Did you go to the phallic park in Korea? I know right outside Osan, there's like this big phallic park. It's like an entire. I think it's like. The size of Central Park, but it's dedicated to penises. Have you seen this? What? Oh, no. It's, it's a bunch of giant, giant sculptures. I will penis. probably not Google this later. <laughs> Dave, Dave, can you pull that up real quick? Dave, I'm making eye contact with Dave right now. <laughs> if you want to ask Dave more questions, feel free. Oh. Hashtag ask Dave. Hashtag <laughs> Dave question. <laughs> Dave questions. <laughs> Tell um, me about the penis park, Dave. Yeah, so so you saw some pretty interesting things in Korea, though. The culture's got to be completely different. It is. I'd go back in a heartbeat, though. They're so happy. Did mm. you try to like a party. hop over the fence and see how far you could get mm. into oh, North Korea? <laughs> no, I was supposed to go to the DMZ, but I ended up, like, so drunk. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Too much soju. Oh, soju, and, like, it was, what like, this one... What a hangover that is, by the way. I don't remember, like... I just woke up and I was like, where am I? Like, I just woke I up in North Korea. <laughs> I, did, I did. I woke oh, up God. in North Korea and I'm like, or South Korea. And I was like, hmm. like, how did I get here? Like, where am I at? And Index is fun. 
Um, <laughs> How the hell did I get here? I know. And then I was like, I had like alcohol poisoning for three days. It was so oh, bad. Yeah. Did you, did you um, not to get dark at all, but like, did you find alcohol as being an outlet to what some of you were dealing with? Yes. Mm. Yes. And so I've, <laughs> people like don't know, but I was a complete like alcoholic. Um, I found. I mean, what do you have in that coffee right there? <laughs> it smells very strong. Yeah, I know you gave it to me. <laughs> Delicious black rifle coffee mm-hmm. <laughs> with a hint of whiskey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So I it was it got so bad. Um. So I've been um, you know, sober since 2011 now. Like uh, on on the alcoholism part. Um. And I think that it was such a, a good way at the time, like to escape from what I had, but long run, like I, it was not good at all. Yeah, it can be a yeah. crutch for Absolutely. a lot of people. I, I find that most people in the military fall back to alcohol. Mm-hmm. It's part of the culture. I mean, Just raging alcoholics. Legal. We all but, go out and drink together after mm-hmm. a long day of work. We have bars at every unit and then go mm-hmm. do it. 12 mile ruck in the morning. Yep. And then we go take shots for the fall and like that it's it's embedded in our culture, like yeah. alcoholism. Um and I think like one day I woke up and I was like, this is not the life that I want to live. And I think it was like my Korean experience, actually. Yeah. Really. Um, that just kind of opened my eyes to, oh man, like I need to really just take a step back. Um, so I did. Hard decision to make. Yeah, it is absolutely. for a lot of people. I mean, there's plenty of people who, like I said, use it as a crutch and they, it's a Band-Aid. It's a short-term mm-hmm. fix that, I mean, it does help. It does help. In the moment. Yeah. In the moment, but yeah, in the long, long run, it's just mm-hmm. detrimental. Unless you're like one of those assholes when you drink. Yeah. Like, yeah. no one likes to be around those guys. So, yeah. You know. Who's that? Oh, just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Staring at yeah. me. Yeah. You're talking no, about me? It's not. <laughs> this guy doesn't even drink. <laughs> But, and that's, that's the same, same thing for us. It's like, you know, you don't need to get raging drunk anymore to stuff your feelings down. Stuff it down with brown. Stuff it down with some brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so Korea was an interesting scent for you and mortuary duty. That's got to be pretty insane. Yeah. So it opened up, um, actually my opportunities, um, when I went to Korea, like I found out that I was going to be an instructor for uh, the Military and Services Academy. And so I went over there and did that for three years and then um, ended up coming off, ended up coming off of active duty and um, went to Florida and joined the guard there and went, worked at Fatality Search and Recovery Team. I guess I didn't like learn. like one thing right into the next one thing into the next more bodies fatality search and recovery like that was intense man um intense because we worked with like fema and stuff and we actually had uh for training we had live cadavers oh really yeah well they're not live they're dead (laughs) (laughs) live Live cadavers cadavers. (laughs) they had a lot of zombies running around yeah (laughs) can we cut that out (laughs) live cadavers cadavers. What, uh, what unit was this um, so this was the... The Cocoa Beach or... No, it was Jacksonville. Oh, Jacksonville. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so I was services over there and that was really fun. Um, and then I joined uh, the Guard in Utah as mm-hmm. services. And then I ended up uh, retraining as medical, as medical admin and medical logistics. Okay. So, and that's how uh, so I what, retired. What, what were you doing there in medical administration? Uh, not much. 
Were you a part-timer or were you full-time out there? So I was AGR. I was working with the HERF um, 97th Troop Command over in um, Utah. And we were working with uh, FEMA and like running out the packages. Um, And that was really cool. Um, Running out the packages for? For like medical equipment. Okay. um, Okay. And medical. Various natural disasters Mm -hmm. or okay. Yeah, you have a you have a story on hand for that. What's your (laughs) what's your moment that you were like, this is badass? Oh, when we deployed um, people down to where was that? It was a hurricane. Hurricane. um, Where it was in? Where was it at? So, Harvey, Florence, Sandy. No, it was down here. Like it was down here in Texas. Um, uh, so Harvey? Like we did, yeah, we did, Hurricane I think Harvey? Harvey, Harvey yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I was affected for, by that. It it did bust my tree. It, it was the one in Houston. <laughs> it's the only right? thing that yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was I was there for that too. We were doing rescues out here. Holy shit. Yeah, hoisting people off roofs and shit, middle of the night. Yeah. And you had people firing guns at you, no, right? No, no, that, that was uh, Hurricane Katrina. They were shooting at the rescue helicopters. <laughs> Come pick me up! Yeah. Dang. They were legitimately like people standing on the roofs. They were trying to get the attention of the I believe it's roofs. Roofs. And they were shooting at them. <laughs> yeah, like, it's ridiculous. Hey, we're over here. Like, I'm not you picking wanna, you up. <laughs> you you want to see me fly away real quick? Yeah. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Uh, so, yeah. Hurricane Harvey. Yeah. Um, so, I didn't go, but I was on the um, organization um, side of things. And that was really cool to kind of see so how So, you were doing the logistics that, and the back uh-huh. end of it? Yeah. What, what's the coordination to make something happen like that? To, you know, coordinate rescue, coordinate search? It's insane. So the unit, so I was Air Force. I was working with Army and my Air Force unit, um, we have a special um, medical unit that gets deployed pretty much everywhere um, in the in the U.S. And um, just like seeing both sides of that, like from the logistics side and medical side and like sitting at this like army table where they're, they're using terms that I'm just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> a lot of yeah, acronyms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like trying to translate it in my head from like our acronyms to their acronyms. And then just seeing like how much time goes into one of these things and like how much, and then we had like talks. Contingency set up. plans and like yeah. A, B, C, D. Like. Yeah. And we had this like warehouse and we had like these rows and rows of tables of like, this is this, you know, job and this job and this job and you're you're um you're in charge of coordinating this, 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 and this. And you're just sitting there and you're like whiteboards and like meetings after meetings after mm-hmm. meetings and you're on like day shift and you're on night shift and then it's just like this huge endeavor that goes into it. That's just so cool. Like two to three solid weeks of just nonstop work. Yeah. Nonstop grinding. And then you yeah. get to see that executed. How does that make you feel? <sighs> Amazing. Like <laughs> We got to help so many people. And I think that's where I gear towards like everything in my life is how many people do we get to help? Yeah. Yeah. Significant amount. I mean, Mm -hmm. especially with Hurricane Harvey, we we had hundreds of personnel out here and there was well over a thousand people rescued like all together. A pretty significant chunk of people that were affected by it. Nice to see it all come together like that. Yeah. And... And ultimately, it's probably a good break for you to go from, you know, retrieving bodies or picking up, you know, all these severely injured to going out and doing what you signed up for originally and mm-hmm. saving people's lives, you know, as yeah. opposed to being taking them. 
Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you finished out your tenure in medical administration and a logistician? Yeah. So um, I had a, a an interesting role too, because like, I, I think I'm like the jack of all trades. Like I've done like so many jobs in the military. They're like, what'd you do? I'm like, which year? Yeah. You know? <laughs> everything. Um, everything. Yeah. <laughs> but I think one thing I mean, that stayed consistent throughout my entire um, career was education and training. And so I was an education and training manager for like every unit that I was in. I was an instructor for three years. Like I love it. I love teaching people. Um, and so I actually retired like as a four alpha zero, it's a medical admin, okay. um, even though I was doing a logistics job. And then, um, I was a training manager and retired out of that after 14 years. So, so you got out in 2020, like last 20? year, oh, November of last newbie. year. Yeah. Newbie. <laughs> so you. Duty. Yeah. 214. Promoted to civilian. <laughs> Promoted to Promoted civilian. To civilian. Yeah. So I, I love asking this question, the transition out, like day one, you get out of the military. How do you feel? Oh. <laughs> Lost, I can smoke weird. weed. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Not in Texas. Damn no. Not no. in Texas, but this is uh, filmed in California today. Yeah. So, right, Dave? <laughs> Like, actually, so uh, that was part of my transition plan. Um, in Utah, I was a medical uh, marijuana patient. Oh, really? Um, mm-hmm, uh, awesome. For PTSD. And that's actually what helped me the most, honestly. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, because it, it rewires your neuropathways. Yeah. And yep. so that way you can just process things. Um, it helps without cope with the, stress mm-hmm. way better than alcohol does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah none and of it's the... legal in Texas starting in September, so... Medical marijuana? Mm-hmm. Medical marijuana for PTSD. That's if there's one thing you learn from the Medivac <laughs> podcast, it's September, we're legalizing marijuana. Yeah. September yeah. 1st, hotboxing the studio with Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, like, so I, I didn't believe in like alternative medicine before I started because I had yeah. went through the VA um, like, and I was uh, being med boarded and like I went through like medication after medication and, and they like ran out of medications like yeah. that I can be on and they're like I can't help you and yeah, I'm like and they all have side effects so you're so, taking so more counter, pills counterproductive you know when I was injured I was taking like 70 pills three times a day mm-hmm. and it's like 90% of those are to counteract the other drug that you're doing and and yet we're not legalizing marijuana at this point <laughs> right no politics though let's yeah. move on <laughs> This is kind of an important no, subject. No, it is. I mean, yeah. so you were, was this part of a, a nonprofit or was this uh, like a, some sort of a study that they were doing for the effects of marijuana with PTSD? So it was actually um, my VA psychiatrist and she's like, look, we've been through every single round of everything that I can give you. Mm. And so our two options are like alternative medicine or like inpatient. I went to inpatient. Um, because I had a, like a, a an episode in her op, in her office and okay. I was just like, uh, it was, it was, it was really bad. Um, so she's like, yeah, so let's try natural, you know, medication, alternative, alternative medication. Yeah. So I was like, man, like, I don't want to do this. Like I, you know, I had a problem with alcohol. Like yeah. this is, this is the gateway drug. That's what what everybody's thinking. Yeah, they've imprinted it on our minds for the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a bad thing. And Mm -hmm. then... And so she ended up showing me the studies and she's like, look at this. And I'm like, okay. I'll give it a go. All right. What was the first... Like, what did you try? An edible or... No, so they put me on um, ketamine first. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Right. So I did 20 weeks of ketamine um, and it was a nasal uh, spray. So I didn't do the injections. Um, and then I had therapy like in conjunction with that. And the first time, <laughs> I think you you got on ketamine um, on the medevac, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the first I, time I'm very I was familiar. Like, wow, I was like, <laughs> I'm just letting you talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, this is like interesting. Um, but then when I was going through the therapy, I, I started talking and I was like, oh, like I'm not having any like flashbacks or reactions to this. It lowers your defenses and... Yeah, and I I was able to remember things. So it's almost like a a puzzle. So it was like these pieces of a puzzle in my brain that was like fogged over. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, click, 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 click. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can process things. Wow. So I did 20 weeks of that and then um, got off of it. It was was three times a week. Oh, wow. (laughs) It was three times a week. For 20 weeks. Mm That's very intensive. Yeah. So 20, when... In within those 20 weeks, when did you start noticing a difference? Right away. Mm. Right away. Right away. Day one. Day one. There's, there's a lot of alternative medicines that are like really being pushed into the mainstream now. There's mm-hmm. uh, vets. It's veterans exploring treatment yep. solutions. Down, psilocybin. Yeah. Came out they're doing psilocybin, oh. ibogaine, DMT. Mm-hmm. And people are like one-time use. They're, they're changing their lives. Yes. Their whole lives yeah. Yeah. are changed. It's, Which is… You could be in 20 years of therapy and with… A 10-minute session. Yeah, mm-hmm. people are, are saying that it fixed them in, in a matter of moments. Yeah. It's but I feel like with ketamine, there was a rebound depression. Um, so, like, that's how I got on marijuana, and I was microdosing. So, it wasn't like I was, like, sitting in a back room, like, smoking Yeah, the dreads. Day, like. I saw you. You got the dreads <laughs> on, that hair. I, you had a hacky sack when you walked in. Yeah. <laughs> you were hacking it, hacky sacking it up. Hey, man. Hey. What's up, man? Um, I knew you were from California. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I started microdosing, and then I started, like, figuring out my levels. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like what I was responding to and well, and then like what helped me. And then I figured out how to do it naturally after that mm-hmm. um, without it. So I've been off of it now since September. So, so you kind however of many yourself months off slowly or? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and you're able to just mimic those effects mm-hmm. by thinking about it or meditating? What do you? Yeah. So meditation, but there's also things that you can do like, so for anxiety, if you take like alcohol, like rubbing alcohol mm-hmm. uh, swab and put it, Sniff it like, diff- no, oh. like, so squeeze it out and like put it right in your ear and that down regulates your vagus nerve. Interesting. Huh. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yeah. That is interesting. I'm just going to pick your brain the whole time on right. <laughs> decreased stress can, here. Can of coffee that'll give me a ton of anxiety. No, I'm going to try it. <laughs> yeah, I'm already shaking. <laughs> I'm shaking already. So yeah. much caffeine. Yeah. So I mean, you can process your bilateral, you know, stimulation. You can. It's it's all about like your nervous system and figuring out what works. Hmm. And you have a couple different uh, systems at play with trauma specifically. So you've got your sympathetic nervous system. You've got your parasympathetic nervous system. And the sympathetic nervous system is like the gas, whereas the parasympathetic nervous system is like the break, rest your digest, rest, and digest. Fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so it's balancing this out just like you're in a car and mm-hmm. trying to figure out like, hey, what are my levels like when I get to, you know, here? And then your prefrontal cortex of your brain um, <clears throat> and your, your midbrain tend to work opposite as well. And so if your midbrain's going off, like, so if you're like ruminating, if you're, your thoughts go circular. I learned that from an ER doc that I used to work with in the military. He's like, if your thoughts go circular, you're in your midbrain. Really? And yeah, you're in your primitive brain. And I was like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. 
Um, and so it's just learning like what system is at play and your needs. And I think a lot of it too um, is your, <laughs> I'm going to sound so woo-woo right now, yeah, but like your inner child. Yeah, um, absolutely. Trauma, when you have trauma, you get stuck in the age that it happens. Mm-hmm. And so there is a younger version in you um, throughout whatever like you've been through that needs something that uh, needs to be processed usually if you have to like, get these symptoms. over it to the next step. The hurdle, right? And get through it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Can't just stuff it down. No. Can't it bottle work. it up. I try. I try. <laughs> I, so try. I currently try very hard to bottle it down. <laughs> oh, I tried so hard. And I that that what that's what led me to fibromyalgia, actually. So I started um how it usually works is stress and anxiety. And then you start to like have these stomach issues like IBS yeah. and um like a lot of issues that vets are are having now that like don't seem to have like a medical reasoning. It's stress. Like yeah. your body, like you just redline the entire time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... Cortisol's high. <laughs> you yeah. Know, you're doing some detrimental things to your body. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, fibromyalgia, like I haven't had a flare up in probably you, a couple of months. You developed fibromyalgia mm-hmm. from the amount of stress that you were under. And, yeah. And oh. because I, I didn't like talk about it, I didn't, I didn't do anything about it. Yeah. I just stuffed it down. And it's like this vortex of like just... Negative. Yeah. Uh, negative yeah. emotions and feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. And then introduce alcohol. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's way worse. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I come from an Irish family, but I don't hold my alcohol well. <laughs> <laughs> Me either, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so did you, did you think, do you think that you're over your PTS or you manage it well? Or, you know, where do you find yourself currently? Honestly, like I have my days. And I'll take those as like self-care days. So I'll like, um, you know, some some days are just harder than others. And it depends on what you're triggered by. And I think managing that and like knowing, okay, like I have to take care of myself. Like I know that I'm worth it. And like just my golden rule is like always be nice to yourself. Be kind to yourself because you can't be your own abuser because otherwise your body's going to start rejecting you. But we all love to do that. We Mm -hmm. all love to be our own abusers for sure. We beat ourselves up more than anyone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're your own worst critic. But your inner critic is your coach. Mm. Could be. If you ever been on a sports team, yeah, you fucker, like get up and like, what's the point of that? It's motivation. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. What, uh, what are some of your triggers that you've dealt with in the past? Are there things that you still deal with? Yeah. Here we go. We're I have deep. a big win this year. Um, I was able to get near fireworks without having a flashback. I'm so happy. Like, awesome. Ah, uh, amazing. Fourth so of July was comfortable this year? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. No, I, had, I was shaking the whole time, but I did not have a flashback. So, uh, like, I'm so that's steps, progress. Steps, steps towards achieving mm-hmm. your yes. goal. Slow, steady progress. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a big fan of exposure therapy. <laughs> so, like, you know, I just like to light them up in my backyard just constantly every day of the week. Flashing, the flashing lights, uh-huh. screaming. My people. neighbors love me. Yeah. <laughs> That's just David again. Yeah. <laughs> the crazy veteran next door. <laughs> I just sit there. Get off my lawn. Yeah. Do you have like an armadillo like helmet on like in the straps? Oh, like, oh. no. Definitely yeah. the raccoon helmet. Yeah. <laughs> the Davy Crockett. <laughs> Davy Crockett raccoon hat. Mm-hmm. So, so 4th of July, that's a big, big issue for a lot of veterans mm-hmm. out there. What would you say 
to the veterans out there that would help them get over like fireworks? Like, what do they have to do to get comfortable? Or even first initial steps from yeah, first determining a, a trigger. Yeah. Um, I think it's different for everyone. I think that the severity depends on the intensity of your trigger, um, like of, of your symptoms. And I think what helped me the most was actually standing next to an Afghan vet um, who is a W amputee. And mm-hmm. he was like, I was like, how do you get through this? Yeah. And he's like, I know it's coming. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I was like, oh my gosh, that answer is so <laughs> simple. Like, why didn't I think of that? But like every year, what I would do is I would take two Benadryl and I'd put headphones in and like put a pillow over and just like knock myself the fuck out. Mm. Yeah. That's and, and not that's, a healthy way. Mm-mm. That's why I brought it up is because that's how a lot of people deal with PTS is they're like, I'm not going to expose myself to this situation at all. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take Benadryl. I'm going to put the headphones in and we're just going to sleep it off. Avoidance. When Avoidance. Avoidance mm-hmm. is the absolute worst thing you could do yep. to overcome that traumatic experience that you're going through. Yeah. And you as a therapist, mm-hmm. got to mm-hmm. know that. But mm-hmm. still, she's like, <laughs> got the snuggie on. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think um, I hid a lot of things too because, of, because I'm a therapist. Yeah. Right? You know and how so, to. Yes. And I think um, when I started getting honest with myself and starting to see, seek help, and this was like, this was a year and a half ago that I started this journey um, of like really just diving in. Like I was in therapy for 10 years and mm-hmm. like I would just, but I had this like therapist that was like, so like, tell me how you feel about this. Yeah. And it was just like, Yeah. And that's Bleh. the worst kind of therapist. I, you know, I always see the movies where the guy's like, just goes after you. They're like, <laughs> this is your problem. I'm like, where do I find that therapist at? I just want them to just, you know, unle- right unzip me, you know? Yeah. I, did, I did CBT through the VA, so cognitive behavioral mm-hmm. therapy. It was a six-month program, yeah. once a week. And the very first therapist I had was a PhD resident. I was her very first person that she saw. And she's like, how do you want to do this? I'm like, I want you to call me. I want you to yell at me if I'm veering off, if I'm not paying attention. I want you to fucking light me up. And she's mm-hmm. like, Okay. And anytime I would stray, you'd be like, I don't really know. She'd be like, that's not a good enough fucking answer. I'm like, good. Okay. Yes. Okay, I like you. I love you. Right. I like you. Do you want to marry me? <laughs> she was very no bullshit. And that was, it, it worked for me. I think mm-hmm. someone like that, it was like, how does that make you feel? Like, no, I don't know. It's the worst. Like, it's I, so cliche. I don't know how yeah. I feel. I can't put into words how I feel. Yeah, that's like, why I'm here. There's no words to describe it. So that's what I'm like, yeah, here for. Yeah. Right. And I think, Putting words to how we feel like is just so amazing. And I think um, for me too, the cheat sheet really helps. So like if um, I feel it in my stomach, I know that's safety. Like I'm in danger. If I feel it in my chest, if it's like tingling or like pressure, I know that's anxiety. Mm. If it's numb, I know that's depression. And if it's like in my head, shoulders, neck, um, you know, back, that's stress. And so like if I know the problem, I can address it there. Yeah. How do you... How do you think people can take those first steps into being aware of those things? I mean, I, I, like I said, I've, I've done CBT and a lot of those programs. So I, I know how to do it for myself, how to mm-hmm. figure out when I'm having anxiety or if I'm having depression. I, I know those symptoms for myself. And obviously, you know yours. How do you think people can identify those or take a first step into be, realizing, oh, this is anxiety. This is an incorrect emotion for the situation. How do you think people can do that? So we're vets. 
<laughs> and our training, like we're, we're, we are comfortable in chaos, mm-hmm. right? And so I say, get really, really quiet. Because when it gets really, really quiet, that's when you become aware of things because we're so used to being like in chaos that we don't recognize what's going on because we're so others focused. You drown it out with the noise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if you get really, really quiet. And so I always say like, go outside, like go barefoot in the grass Mm -hmm. or like, I don't want to like say like hug a tree. Like, <laughs> but the moral of this story is uh, smoke weed, uh, hug trees, barefoot while you're outside, and snuggies when the fireworks are. <laughs> uh, yeah, but like, so the Earth has a negative charge, and we have a magnetic field around us. So if we can um, calm and regulate our our nervous system down, then we can start to analyze. So that's when our our midbrain gets deactivated. So safety, Mm -hmm. safety, 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 safety. I always say like, get yourself in a safe space, Mm -hmm. emotionally, physically, like just make sure that you're safe because that's when you can calm down. Yeah. And once you calm down, then start like a body scan from head to toe. Okay. What am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? Not like how I got here or, you know, like like, try to analyze it. Don't try and analyze it. Just like start listing facts because once you start listing facts, that's when you can figure out, oh, okay, so I feel it here. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, so what do I feel here? Is it tingling? Is it, um, you know, is it burning? Is it, is like, if your throat is, um, like if you're getting raspy, yes. like I am right now, it feels <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's um, like feelings of like being unheard. Mm-hmm. And so, and like rolling your ankles is if you have like a big decision coming up and you're confused. That's why you see like all the NFL, like people like go into injuries, like right before they discuss their contracts of like ankle injuries. Really? Yeah. It's really cool. Bodies. Didn't know there was a psychological aspect to that. And that's kind of funny. There's a psychological aspect to everything. Yeah, mind and body. Yeah. Mind, body, and spirit. Absolutely. Yeah. So for people who are unfamiliar with meditation or doing a body scan or never even heard of that... I, I typically recommend people, not a therapist or mm. a medical professional, but I recommend people use like an application like Headspace. Mm. It's free and it walks you through it. It'll gui- do a full guided meditation for you and it'll teach you how to do a proper body scan. Yeah. Uh, do, do you recommend? Absolutely. Headspace, yeah. Calm. Yeah, that's um, a good one too. You know, like there's a lot of good YouTube videos on meditation out there the as VA, well. The VA has an app too with yeah. like a thousand different... Uh, guided meditations in there. I think it's the most robust one, actually. Yeah. So for all you hard, heavy hitters who are like, eh, meditations for pussies, yeah, <laughs> I think I think you're wrong and I think you should try it. I think there's a lot of... I, I mean, I'll personally yeah. attest I meditate every night. Yeah. And it's very important into maintaining a great headspace for myself. So... I completely agree. I think there's a lot or, of people. Or, you know, who, screw the app. We could just go see Haley now. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a practice, right? Mm-hmm, I do. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I've got a private practice and I work typically with first responders. Um, I've got contracts with fire department and police departments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see military as well. And I just work through trauma with them, like unraveling all this stuff, like processing this stuff. And I think it's 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 been such an amazing journey. Like, with my private practice. Um, and then I have a coaching business, Trauma Agility, which works with trauma like all over the world. Agility. Trauma Agility. What a great name. Yeah, Trauma Agility. Like it's a brain with a with a strong arm. I love the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I love the gym. 
Maybe I'll come out with like a gym clothing line too. Oh, there you um, go. With a big we'll brain on to, it. We're definitely going to have to take you out if you try that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dave and I own a clothing company. Oh, you do? <laughs> we do. All right. Right here. Well, design Sarah something Rana. for me. Yeah, design yeah. something for me. We'll talk after. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so like the, the premise behind that was like, I'm only restricted in my private practice to Utah and Texas. Those are where I hold licenses. Whereas Trauma Agility, I can coach from anywhere mm-hmm. worldwide. You do that via Zoom primarily? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And my private practice is all virtual as well. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. That's got to be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's got to be great. Be on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me how I do. don't like where this se- session is going today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we never have to wear pants. So that's the best part. I do wear pants. Yeah, I, don't. I, I wear do pants. I don't. No way. <laughs> I wear pants. I'm on a Zoom <laughs> meeting. No way. I got a shirt on. That's, that's about it. <laughs> Just because I can. Yeah. <laughs> so th- that has been an awesome thing for you probably to face your own demons that you're fighting, right? Mm-hmm. As well as when, when you're helping other people, do you find that, you know, you're like, well, I just went through another milestone for myself. All the damn time. <laughs> yeah. All the damn time. So like, it, it's, it's interesting being like, like going through a bunch of trauma in my life. I've been through a natural disaster. The North, Northridge earthquake um, mm-hmm. took out my home. Um, like I, I had Tourette syndrome growing up, so I was like bullied significantly. What was your, parents. what was your symptom? Um, so I had like 20 different tics. And wow. so I had uh, motor and vocal, oh. um, my vocal, I would clear my throat, um, motor. I would just like do this, or I had a, like a lot of facial tics. Oh. Um, and people back then like didn't even know what Tourette's was yeah. really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that was uh, an experience in itself. And I think that's why when I say like I'm running away from something, like when I joined the military at 17, I was running away from like the bullying and I wanted to, to yeah, those experiences. Uh, I wanted to feel safe. Yeah. 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 And the military provided me a lot of safety. A lot of safety mm-hmm. and probably some strength too, right? It probably bolstered your... Yeah. I mean, with great adversity comes great strengths if you could overcome those. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm a firm believer in that. And... You know, Christian asked me the other day, he goes, you know, if, if you were walking the same route, you know, and the, like, would you go left or right or still go on the same path that you went? And I'd be like, well, I love where I'm at today because we have this ability to share stories and help people get through their darkness. I would do it all over again. Yeah, I wouldn't change Even though thing. it sucked. It sucked. Yeah. <laughs> but it made me who I am today. Yeah. I think there's something to that. I. I call it the totality of life experience. It's kind of like having negative experiences and positive experiences, right? If you live your life between a four and a six, you know, between one and 10, if you live between a four and a six, you're not really getting all that much out of it. Your negative experiences aren't that great or your positive experiences aren't that great. But still you, until you get into those really deep places when you're ones and twos, like losing family members, losing a loved one, or experiencing some of the stuff we have, you can't really appreciate the sevens, eights, nines, tens, the really positive experiences in your life. I think a lot of people are just stuck in that middle realm and they don't get to, they don't allow themselves to experience and work through those negative points so that they can experience those positive points. Right. So the amount of pain that you feel is directly proportionate to the amount of joy Mm -hmm. you can feel in your body. Yeah. So if you go through terrible pain, you can also terribly love, like incredibly love. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are stuck at that point, they've experienced that negative part and they're just stuck there. They don't know how to progress back into experiencing positive things or positive mm-hmm. feelings. 
or even wanting to. Personally, I think it it has to do with the perception and ego, right? So people have a lot of ego. They don't want to be embarrassed in front of someone else. They don't want to show emotions in front of other people. That's something that I've learned over the past few years of talking to people about PTSD and, and, you know, negative mental experiences or, or symptoms like that until you make that decision to move forward and be okay feeling positive things in front of people, you can't. Right. That's how it is for me, at least. Yeah. I don't know if that's for everyone, but it's for me. So if you had a message that you wanted to tell everybody today, what would it be? I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, the floor is yours. The floor is yours. Oh, there's so many things that are running through my head right now. Um, Processing and... (laughs) I know, I know. You are worth something. Hmm. You're worth everything, you know? And a lot of us get into the military to serve, Mm -hmm. right? But you also need serving too. Yeah. You know, you you save a lot of people, but you also need saving. Yes. Um, I would say that you're not broken. there's, there's nothing broken about you. And there's, I mean, so if you're not broken, you don't need fixing. Yes. But I think we do need a purpose. We need a direction. We need some sort of, you know, guidance and, and knowing that we're not alone in mm-hmm. our struggles. And that's why I love working with vets is because it's like, we all <laughs> deal with pretty much the same things yep. and the same patterns yeah. of thinking is because like emotions, like we do not need emotions when we're deployed. Like, yeah. period. When you're in those like, like go, go, go moments, it's like you just do your job. You yeah, do your mission. Yeah, you have a role. Yeah. And I think that's why transitioning out um, for most of us is really hard is because we are now human. Yeah. <laughs> and we have to find a No a longer full robots. Spectrum. No longer robots. Yeah. Except, except me. Except yeah. me. <laughs> just part robot. I'm part robot. You. you know, just yeah. a cyborg. <laughs> My leg. Yeah. <laughs> so Haley Adams, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Where can we find you at? Again, give so us can, your Instagram handles. Again. Yep. So you can find me for my private practice. If you're in Utah or Texas, uh, find me at, at New Day Trauma Therapy. Um, if tra- for Trauma Agility for coaching, you can find me on IG um, at Trauma Agility. Yes. And we will have backlinks and everything available. So if anyone's interested, reach out. Yeah. Open invite. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Perfect. absolutely. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you very you. much Thank for you. joining us yeah. today. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the MetaVac Podcast. Have a wonderful day. See you next time. Bye.